0: The following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Father, we thank you for the privilege to come before you, the throne of grace with confidence in our time of need. And that, that is only possible because of the finishing work of the cross and the invitation that you have offered us because the veil's been torn from top to bottom and we have entrance into the Holy of Holies. Lord Jesus, thank you that you invited us to call your daddy our daddy and that we can come and say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil ones. In Jesus' name, amen. Every year in October, we often get together for for prayer for sure. We invite the body into prayer, some oftentimes fasting, where we just seek the Lord for his plans. We don't need to do what we want to do. We just need to desperately hear what he's up to and join him in it. And, uh, and so we seek the Lord for his plans. And, and last year, you know, last year, what was our theme last year? Anybody remember? Bless. Anybody remember the, what the, the, the theme was the year before? Devoted, right? Still up there. Um, so um, these aren't things, and, and this is what I want to point out. These these are meant to entrench um, a a, uh, a characteristic of Christ, an intention in God's scriptures into the DNA of our body. They're not meant to be something we do for a year and then, like, oh, we're done with that. They're meant to be done over the, the scope of a year, so that they have a time where they can be, um, they, they can really kind of dig deep into our culture as a person, as a family, and as a church. And uh, and so these are and these these concepts are richly um, established in the scriptures. These, uh, these concepts are, are not something that we're looking to do um, ourselves. These are things that we see, sense and feel a direction from the Lord for. And then they're, they're always confirmed or even find their original uh, um, inspiration through the scriptures. And so um, living loved is not a concept that is uh, new to us. It is, it, is, it is littered throughout the scriptures that we serve a God who first loved us uh, and so throughout the uh, throughout the year, this is this you know, and it's hard for us because we get back from elders retreat in October, and we got to kind of keep this under wraps, even though we're super excited because we have a theme to finish before we launch or unleash. We often say the new theme. So this is a, the new theme for the year. Uh, it's super exciting. If you turn around real quick, you get a you get a look at uh, what the 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 icon or logo looks like. Um, as we always want to point to the cross, and but it's and really the cross is the greatest demonstration of the love that God had for us. And it says in Romans 5, 8, for, for God demonstrates his very own love for us in this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the demonstration of God's love finds its pinnacle at the cross where his son gave his life, not, uh, n- not haphazardly, but intentionally, in order to demonstrate God's love and to liberate God's kids, right? So, um, but each month, what we're going to do during this uh, year as the the Lord has led. Each month, we're gonna we're gonna unpack in a month what the some of the individual dynamic aspects of this this love that God has bathed over our lives, or has demonstrated, or is is the attribute. As I mentioned earlier, God it, love isn't something He does; it, it's who He is, as First John reminds us that God is love. So for January, our theme, and this is what, this is going to be a bookend. We're going to start here and finish here because it really is, it's important that we understand that this is where it begins. Like this is the concept. This is the, this is the intention of God's love to us is that we might love others. We often say the mantra around here is that loved people love people, right, right? Hurt people hurt people. Like, like, like what's going on inside is what comes, on, comes naturally to us on the outside. But So the theme for this month is loved to love others. That's the theme for January. We're going to drive this home throughout the month, and each month there'll be a different loved by an eternal God, for example, for Easter. Um, so we, you know there'll be a theme each and every single month, and the hope at the end of the year is that you would live loved, Amen. and that your living would be demonstrated as an expression of the of how how convinced you are that God loves you, that God loves you. So so important to us to, to just, so our, th- our theme verse for the year is First John four nineteen, and it says we love. Because he first loved us, right? So we don't love because it's the right thing. Uh, let, me, let me just ask, because I, I would imagine I'm not alone in this. You ever try to love in your own strength? You, try, you ever try to love because it's what I should do, it's the right thing to do? Uh, and, and oftentimes we do, or, or if we look back in retrospect, you know, I loved because I really was hoping to gain something from my, loving, if we're honest, right? But in its truest sense, true love for others is birthed out of a posture where we're convinced that God loves us. We are convinced. You know, I love that uh, one of the things we're going to do in the beginning of this year, and I love how the Lord put this whole thing together. We're, uh, We're starting a new series this year in the Gospel of John. If there's anybody that understood the mission of love, the concept of love, uh, you know, to, from, from an earthly perspective, it was John. I mean, this, this, is, this is the mantra of John, right? The one whom Jesus loved. And you know what? I don't think that was a prideful statement. I think that was just, that was, that was a fact to him that he was convinced that Jesus loved him. And you know what it did for him? It allowed John to be liberated from the fear that the other apostles, the other 10 guys, minus Judas, were, were hiding behind locked doors. Where was John at that moment? At the foot of the cross, at the feet of Jesus. Perfect love casts out all fear, right? Like He was, he, he was so convinced of his love for him. And isn't it interesting that in this moment that we're describing at the foot of the cross, Jesus had brothers and sisters, and yet he entrusted his mother to John, to John, the one who was convinced that Jesus loved him. And because he was convinced, he was was passionately committed to sit, to be at Jesus' feet, even if those feet were hanging on a rugged cross at Calvary. And so it doesn't always mean that we're going to be, if we sit at Jesus' feet, if we're, if we're following him, it doesn't always mean that we're going to be in places that aren't painful or hard. And so one of the things that we're looking at this year is this, in this concept of living loved is that, I, I, don't, I don't know, I'm going to ask a question here as we get started. Do you know, and I, I, this is rhetorical, but it, it's meant to be introspective. Do you know that you're loved? Do you believe this morning that the God of the universe, irrelevant of your choices or circumstances, that God loves you? That God is madly in love with you. What else would motivate him to give his son? To demonstrate his love. And he says, if I've done this, where am I going to hold out on you? Like this is a God, and and the scriptures is, is littered with this concept that it's, the, it's, it's God's love for us that drives and defines and clarifies and motivates our love for others. You know how you come to a place to genuinely love others in his love? You are, you are immersed. You're sitting at his feet, and you are immersed in the reality that he loves you. You are convinced that the God of the universe I mean, Paul said it this way, right? In Galatians 2.20, he says, I am crucified with Christ that I no longer live. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who what? Who loved me and gave himself for me. What was the precursor of Jesus giving himself for him? He loved him. For God so what? Loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. You'll always see love as the motivating factor for the sacrifice, for the offering, for the gift, for God so loved the world. But my question to you this morning, has you, have you taken that personally? Has that sinking deep into the, the, the crevices of your life where you are healed by the reality that it's not based on anything you've done, will do, won't do, that God, I, I have this, I put it on Facebook, um, earlier or last year. God's love is not based on me. It's placed on me. And it's the place from where I should live. Doesn't, that make, doesn't that make sense? It's not based on me. It's placed on me. There's no merit based on my good works or effort or my my social posture or my giving. None of that. Guys, so many believers continue to operate that in a in a mindset that I that even though they've been saved in an unmerited mode of, of grace, they, they they feel like, well, I've just, in order to sustain this this place of, of God's approval and love, I've gotta I've gotta maintain you know a, a godly I've gotta give and I gotta do. Man, it's placed on you. It's unmerited. It will never, you know, our response to it isn't we try to maintain it by our actions. Our response to it is gratitude, and we love others because that is, Jesus says, my command is this, love one another. You know, I think it's, I think it's ironic that it's John. This is the gospel we're going to be in for probably the most of this year, um, as we go through and, and, and discover this gospel it 's so unique it 's so different i think it 's so I- ironic that we come to this right after Christmas and, and how the Lord is led because in john 's gospel like it 's it's, it's kind of his version of christ 's origin christ 's like Christ's uh, Genesis, you know, that that he understands that before, Jesus said this in in, uh, in John chapter 8, verse, verse 58, he says, before Abraham was, I am. I mean, do you know what that statement was? He was saying, I'm God, in the person, in flesh, I'm Emmanuel, right? And they wanted to kill him for it. So, I mean, These are the concepts that we're gonna dive into this year. This is the theme that that our our heart is, is that, I mean, God's heart is is that throughout this year we come to a further conviction that we like John would be able to say, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. I am so convinced. And and to get to this point, like you know what that protects us from? It protects us from being in the world with a posture of love me. Love me. And and doing things in order to maintain or generate. Listen, the most glorious thing that God has done for us in Christ is he's, you know, there's two innate things that humanity wants and needs. To be loved and to belong. And in Jesus, we are adopted as his his very own. Jesus, you know, it it was crazy talk for Jesus to say, oh, you want me to teach you to pray? Well, let's start this way. Our Father. I mean, he was already being chastised. You know, blasphemy. You call God Father? Now you're saying you're equal with God? That's the truth. And then Jesus says, I'm going to share my daddy with you. You belong. You're invited. Here's the deal. You're invited in. <laughs> like to the Trinity, to the Godhead. You're, you're invited into the community that's existed from eternity past. And this, this community's like essence is love, light that brings life. Like this is who he is. And so you know what we desperately need more of in 2019? Him. Him. Man, if there's, I mean, we could talk about going to the gym and, and making all these, these, these earthly and fleshly and, and, you know, adjustments or resolutions, but, man, if there's something we're desperate for, is we need more time at his feet. You know, this is, this is you know, Mar- Martha comes to him, right, Luke 10, and says, Lord, tell, I mean, that's pretty bold, like, he says, tell, like, he's telling God to tell, like, Tell Mary to come help me, right? And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and anxious about many things. Then Listen, but one thing is necessary. One thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. What won't be taken from her? Him, his feet. And what happens at Jesus' feet? He imparts himself. He pours himself into us. Like, that's what he does. I mean, even, that's why, that's why John at the, at the cross couldn't be anywhere else because he was so convinced of Jesus' love that I've got to be at his feet even if it means he's on the cross because something's going to happen here. And what's going to happen is, is, is what God is aiming to do with, 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 with everything he's done from day one is God is going to impart himself to us. Do you know what God is trying to give us? Do you know what God's trying to give us? Because we we really have to define this. Because what is abundant life? Like, what is heaven? What what is it that God is up to in, in, in fashioning and forming us into the very image of his son? Do you know what God is trying to give us? Himself. Do you know what heaven is? It's wherever God is. And so, really, if you want to get used to heaven, just... Get used to him. Get in his presence because that's going to be the, the full expression of that is what heaven is. And trust me, there's nothing more beautiful. There's nothing more satisfying. There's nothing more liberating. There's nothing more rich and abundant. Than, I mean, Jesus said this: said to Father, so though you are evil, Dads, you know how to give good gifts. How much more does my Heavenly Father know, uh, give good, good gifts to those who ask for what? Luke says the holy spirit who's the holy spirit god himself he's give like god is giving himself away as an expression motivated by his love that we might be healed by his very essence which is love so that we might love Guys, we can't love in our own strength. We can't love in our flesh. We can do something that is superficially a facade of what that might be, but it's fickle at best. God's sustaining, powerful, life-altering, marriage-changing, transformative love is something that we must first experience firsthand from Him. And then it becomes as natural as breathing. It naturally just flows out of our life. We, we talk about, as a man think it, so he is, right? Out of the mouth, the heart, right? Like what's going on in your heart? You know, there, there, there's even a passage I was reading this week about, about like Jesus coming into our hearts. I mean, there's this talk out there that that's not biblically or, you know, but that's what the passage says. Like, But what we understand is is God's coming to give us a new heart and to revolutionize it with his love. Right? He's coming to invade our lives and consume them with this healing work that is motivated by himself. We love, but he is love. And when we have him, we love. Right? And part of that is when, 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 when he consumes our life. Like, it'd be... Guys, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's going on in your heart? Who has your heart? What, 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 what gives you that song in your heart? I'm not talking about the song that we sing with other things in our mind, but the one that just, that we, that we live to sing. Because here's the deal. He wants us to sing his song of redemption. He doesn't want us to come up with our own song and sing our own, you know, because then we, 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 we don't share his rhythm he wants us to sing the song, the glorious song of redemption. He wants us to be on mission with him. He wants us to understand that he's clothed us with power so that we might be witnesses, but that witness is expressed every time, all the time. Look, you're given a gift, right? We go back to 1 Corinthians 12. You're given a gift. Every one of you, when given the Holy Spirit as a seal, by the way, that's, that's like the ring in marriage, the token That is the seal that's given to us, the Holy Spirit, the guarantee that the one who says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you will also be. He has given you a seal guaranteeing that I'm coming back for my bride, right? I'm going to make her radiant by my spirit, and then I'm coming back to take her home, and then we're going to have a feast, right? So this is, but all of that is driven in love, right? In love. I mean, like, what, what else drives a, a bridegroom to go and prepare a place and, and, uh, and, to be, and to ready himself for her? And in this case, it's ready her, the, the church, for himself. And so, man, this God who loves you beyond your wildest dreams is passionately pursuing you with his love. And when we are convinced... We are so guarded and protected from all of the rejection, all of the lies, all of the pain and the, the circumstances of life when I mean think about this, and, and, and practice this, because I, I, it works. <laughs> Whenever you're in a place where the enemy's lying to you about who you are or who you're not, or, or trying to build up your pride or to, 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 to riddle you with shame, like practice this. I am loved. In fact. I'm gonna. I want to read a verse to you. This is uh, this is First John three. If you want to go with me, I believe it's in the slides, Braun. So, um, so listen to what this says. See what kind of love the Father, you know, the NIV nineteen eighty four said lavished upon us, right? The ESV says, See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God and so we are. Guys, we need to be thoroughly convinced that his love has adopted us. His love has invited us in. We need to embrace the wonder of our adoption and the wonder that is true, irrelevant of our actions or of those things that are that circumstances, that this God, this glorious God that speaks stars into existence by his word, his son, that this God loves you beyond your wildest dreams. And that if that concept is, is your truth, your reality, and, and we begin to live loved, then others around us will be convinced of the very thing that the Holy Spirit is convincing us of is that God is good, faithful Father, and he loves you. He absolutely loves you. Listen to this passage. Let this kind of resonate because though our theme verse is 1 John 4.19, I want you to hear the context of it. I want you to hear the rich context. And because we've just preached through this 1 John uh, book uh, prior to Esther, it'll be familiar text. But listen to what it says. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. That's its origin. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. It's who he is. Verse 9, in this the love of God was made manifest or shown or demonstrated among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Guys, what motivated the sacrifice of Christ? Right? What motivated it? the love of God. Why would he crush his son? Because he was trying to purchase your life back to him. He was trying to make you his son. It's a, it's a glorious thing. I mean, it reminds us of Romans 5.8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, not when we, were, not when we had some redemptive value because we never would, not when, when there was some merit in us or for us or about us, but, but while we were still enemies, rebellious in our posture and nature towards God, broken beyond repair, Jesus, it says, it says here, while, while we were sitting in that, in that posture, Christ Jesus died for us. You know, it says just before this verse in verses 6 and 7, it says, very, um, very rarely will anyone die for a good man, though, I mean, for a righteous man, but for a good man, someone might dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. Not that awesome. That's sweet. Verse ten: In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. Who first loved? Who initiated this love relationship? Who pursued who? Right. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation. The word propitiation means the the, the instrument that satisf- satisfied His wrath against sin. He took the wrath that was due us. God, God is both just and justifier. He didn't lay aside his justice in order to just let us in. He just poured all, all the punishment and pain out on his own son. And if that doesn't tell you you're loved, that's the pinnacle. That's the ultimate sacrificial demonstration of what love truly is. And it tells us that love is a verb right love has an expression love has feelings in it's in its expression but love acts love lives show me your faith by deeds right faith without deeds is dead faith and it goes on and says in this is love not that we have loved god but that he loved us and sent his son to be the pit- propitiation of our sins and don't miss verse 11 cuz this complements Verse 19, which is our theme verse for the month. Beloved, if God so loved us. It always starts there. You're going to be, as you read through the scriptures this year, you're going to be so overwhelmed by the fact that it's always God's love first. Beloved, and don't you love it? John says, beloved. Beloved. You are the beloved Beloved, if God so loved us, speaking of Christ's sacrifice, we, ought to, we also ought to love one another. And this is an ought to. It's kind of like it only makes sense, right? It's, 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 it's as natural as breathing when we are convinced that when we experience something that's so profound as God's dying love that is unconditional and not based on and doesn't run out on us isn't fickle or frail or fleeting or you know i will never leave you or forsake you type love man that's all we want to share and talk about not about the cars and the cash and the houses and the distractions of life because none of that is going with us folks none of that endures not even this flesh as daniel mentioned this morning this is dust Outwardly I am fading away, inwardly I am being renewed day by day. Man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart, and he heals that heart by convincing us of this glorious love that then becomes the the motivating factor and the empowering factor to love those. So when you are struggling, I didn't say if, I didn't say if, right? When you are struggling to love your wife, your husband, why is it those that are most intimate with us sometimes are the hardest ones to love, right? So like, and, and, and think about that with Jesus' intimacy with us, right? So anyway, like, like when, when, not if, you're struggling to love someone. It's not that I need to try harder. I need to look for their, their you know, I need to try to find the, the, the redemptive value in order to love them. I need to find a reason. No. You know what we do when we're struggling to love someone else? We look to the one who loves us and we're convinced of the love that God has for us and that drives us. It's the same thing with forgiveness, which just is an expression of love. When we think about it, it's probably the most profound expression of love. Is forgiveness? Is How do I ever come to a place to forgive somebody? Is it I go, well, you know, the good outweighs their bad. Oh, or, you know, it's really what I should do. How, how, has that worked for you? No, it's when we, like Matthew 18, in the parable of the unmerciful servant instructs us, when we look at how much God has forgiven us. Then, would someone stand just right now and just read Ephesians 4.32? Would someone do that for me? Just stand up. And boldly declare Ephesians chapter 4. Sword drill. Let's do it. Come on. Everybody go to that. Ephesians 4, 32. Yeah. Forgiving one another. You know when we echo the Lord's Prayer, it says this. Father, forgive me my trespasses, sins, debts, as I have forgiven those who trespass again. Like it's, it's I've already Why? Because in light of your forgiveness, that's the whole essence of that parable and the the statement that's being made here. Forgive as you've been forgiven. Love as you've been loved. I mean, even, guys, if we look at the final discourse in, in the latter part of John, what does Jesus say? What does Jesus say will mark the church as followers of him? Your love for one another. Right? This is how they'll know that you're my disciples, that you have love for one another. Right? This is this is the very essence, this is what marks us is this love that we have. But this this love doesn't come from ourselves. It is this it is the abiding presence by his spirit. I mean, what is the first fruit of the spirit? What is the last verse of 1 Corinthians chapter 12? What's the last verse going into the love chapter in chapter 13? What's the last verse say in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? All right, these three, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these, he he, he says this, he says, let me show you the most excellent way. And then he opens up verse 13 and he says, that, uh, chapter 13, and he says, if you can speak in tongues of men and of angels and have not love, you're a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If you have the faith to move mountains, faith to move mountains, and you have not love, it says this, you are nothing. And this is the segue between defining what love is. Love is patient, love is kind, love is not self-seeking or rude, all these things, right? It is, it is the segue between that Definition and your spiritual gifts. And basically, what it's saying is this is how your spirit, this is the aim of your spiritual gift. This is why you were created. For you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works with that spiritual gift. And why you were created is to love one another. Like, the, your gift is given to you, the tools and instruments that God has imparted to you by His Spirit has the aim of loving God and loving people. And if it's not doing that, you're not understanding your gift or its objective. That's what God is after. And the the more we are convinced that God loves. And so guys, can we we make this a mantra here this year? Can we, with conviction, because we believe the scriptures declare it, can we uh, confidently and often, can we say to one another, God loves you. God loves you. Do you know God loves you? Because the enemy is always speaking the antonym of that in different facets and expressions. And he uses our flesh and the world to continue that, those lies. And the antidote to that is this. God loves you. And the cross demonstrates, cries, and declares that eternally in the heavens. And that's the fact. That's, that's the truth. And we need to be right. I love Jimbo's testimony. Jimbo was at odds with God. Odds with God. Didn't want anything to do with God. In Texas, nothing to do with the Lord. Walking down the street, bus station, d- late at night. And this lady says what, Jimbo? God loves you and so do I. What's that? And so do I. Guys, that will change the world. God loves you and so do I. And let that, let whatever God has entrusted to your life, time, talent, resources, let those resources, those gifts and abilities, everything that you have, let it be for this end. Love God and love people. Father, thank you that, um, that you commissioned your son. And thank you, Jesus, for your radical obedience to the cross, knowing that your bride was desperate for a uh, finishing work, a cleansing uh, expression of your love, that, uh, that unless you justified us, we would remain condemned and separated and divided from the love, the, the care, the, the wonder of your presence but now we've been brought near. We've been, we've been ushered in. We've been invited into the family, the very presence of the glory of God. We have been loved to this extent. We have been declared your bride and, uh, and that you're making us radiant, blameless, without stain or wrinkle. You are, you are doing this work in us uh, inside out. And Father, we thank you that behind it all is this glorious voice that continually tells us that we are loved and that we belong and that we've been bought with a price and we are not our own and that we have now been made yours and we're forever loved. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So to finish up our time together today, I have some questions. I have a challenge. I have some thoughts. We're going into a new year, so it's, uh, you know, oftentimes it's an opportunity, even though every day has this, this opportunity, but it's an opportunity to make adjustments. It's an opportunity to repent. I love that, uh, that uh, in, in Luke chapter 3, verse 8, it's the same in Matthew, it's chapter 3, verse 8, but, uh, but uh, after calling them brood of vipers, he looks, he looks at these Pharisees and he says, produce fruit in keeping with Repentance. And at the heart of repentance, it's this. God, my way doesn't work. I want your way. I, I'm, I'm turning from what's, what's mine to what's yours. I'm, I'm leaving my reality to join your reality. I, I, what I've done is wrong. What you've done is always right. Like, I want you more than I want me. I want your will, your kingdom, your word, every time, all the time, because I've come to believe that you are good And that your love endures forever. I believe that everything, that your way is better than my way. Even though it's higher and oftentimes I don't get it. I will walk by faith and not by sight. Listen, this year is an opportunity for us to like, to draw near. Isn't it funny? Like whether we look at James or we look at John, it's draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Who's prone to wander, him or us? Right? Who's the one that gets distracted in this in this in this love affair? Um, it's us. And let me be very clear: it, this is this is such good news. Is when we we understand the providence of this stage of God's providential history or His story, what we understand that we're you know we're we're told in the scriptures we're in the last days after Pentecost. We're in the last days. So for almost two thousand years, we've been in the last days. And in these days what God is doing is he is he is he is calling his bride to himself and then he's making his bride radiant and he's coming back for her in order to celebrate this banquet, this feast. And when that time comes, Jesus is going to pull back the veil. And he's going, the veil that, that you know, we, we, we see him in part, not in whole. We don't fully get the, the fullness, the wonder of who he is, the glory of God. But he's going to lift that veil and he's going to show himself. Just like in marriage, after the wedding, after the wedding, there's there's a full intimacy that's given in every way, shape, or form, and he's going to fully give himself, and we will know him as we are fully known. And in that moment, we will have a fuller understanding of this groom that has died to, to liberate us and set us free. But here's the thing I want us to hear in this theme for the year, is that Jesus died to make you his bride. Don't forget this, male or female, irrelevant. You and and it's it's not a gender issue, it's it's a love issue. Jesus has claimed you as his own. He bought you with his precious blood, and he has, he has deemed you his bride, and he's put his spirit in you in order to make you into the bride, the perfect, radiant, spotless, without wrinkle or stain bride. That, and that's the work that God's doing. And here's the good news. 1 Thessalonians 4, 24, it says this, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. You know what the do it is there? Sanctify you, make you holy. So look, we can have confidence that God's going to finish, as Philippians 1.6 says. He's going to finish to the day of Christ Jesus. He's going to finish what he started in us. Because you know what the Father's doing? Don't miss this. You know what the Father's doing? He's preparing a bride for his son. And that's us. And until then, we get to be the radiant expression through the bumps and bruises, through the highs and lows, through the ups and downs of this radiant sanctifying work that God is doing in our lives as we confess our sins one to another, as we, as we walk in humility, as we walk by faith and not by sight, as we trust him with every step that we take and love him with our lives and, and, and hide his word in our heart and keep in step with his spirit as we do these things. God begins to do this radiant work in us. But here's, here's what diminishes or slows down that process is when we, when we don't sit at his feet, when we don't stay at his feet. One thing is necessary, Martha, and Mary has chosen the better part and it will not be taken from her. Jesus' feet is always available to us. You know what happens at Jesus' feet? He loves us with his word that cleanses us. He teaches us. He instructs us. He he gives us ministry in those moments. So here's what I want to challenge you to in 2019. How's your quiet time? Listen, I guarantee for all of us, there are some wasted moments in our lives, in our week. For most of us, we spend too much time in front of television, media, telephones, Facebook, video games, Even sports, we love to sanctify our idols in our own minds. But anything that distracts us from God being first, glorious, and best. Because listen, tithing isn't just about money. God deserves our first and our best in everything. And so here's your challenge this year. Number one, expand your time at his feet. If you're spending five minutes with him in the morning, it's not enough. Because look, this is what he wants to do. He wants to convince you of his love. He wants to impart himself. The word became flesh. And he wants to pour him, his word himself into us and, 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 and instruct our hearts and change our lives. But that doesn't happen, right? I, I'll give you an illustration. I used to share this in student ministry. Um, so imagine, remember the old time gas stations or if you've been to New Jersey lately you know, you don't get to pump your own gas, right so like, you know, you pull up, you roll over the little cord and it's ding ding, you can almost hear it right, ding ding, right, so you pull up and then this glorious thing happens, right somebody washes your windshield, checks your fluid, you know, I mean that was, those were the good days, right, so like, someone comes out checks your tire pressure, I mean it's good times this is all going on and you're like thank you, this is great, so I'm, I, hey, where at Bob Lee, 4th Street, go there. They better give. Anyway, so like, so like. but here's the deal. So just imagine one of those dro- those places, right? And and mom's got her kids in the car. You know, it's a, it's a, let's say it's an SUV and she pulls up to the island. Guy comes out, ding, ding, you know, and he says, and she, she rolls the window and she says, fill her up, fill her up, right? And uh, he's like, cool, this is what I do. So like, she rolls the window up, but she starts just, perpetually driving around the island, right? So he's standing there and he's kind of, you know, got the, the gas in his hand and he's looking at her like she's lost her mind as she goes by and goes by. And, and she rolls the window down again and says, I said, fill her up. She's like, all, all right. So where does most of the gas end up? In the tank? Look, this is us. Man, we stand before the Lord and we're going, fill me up, Lord, fill me up. But be still and know that I am God. When's the last time you sat at his feet rather than crying out, hey, in my crazy busyness, I need you to fill me up? That's not how it works. We've got to spend time in his presence because what he's trying to give us is his presence, right? And so, because that's what changes us. And so, guys, let me challenge you in these areas. Expand your quiet time. Get up earlier. And you know what that means practically? It means you go to bed earlier and watch an hour less television. It means you give up. You know, like, look, people will say, well, what about my gym time? That's not as important. One thing is necessary. I'm just telling you. Like, nothing nothing will satisfy the necessity. Jesus said one thing. Of his presence. It's, it's what we're desperate for. It's what heaven is all about. So we, we should have this hunger and thirst for a greater sense of his presence. And we do, but often we satisfy it in other ways, in religious activities, and it doesn't satisfy. Let's be honest. Because what, what was Martha trying to do? She was serving Jesus and his people, right? And she was worn out. Because she wasn't sitting at his feet. Guys, we'll never be able to serve out of the overflow of ourselves. We've got to sit at his feet. That's where where it all starts and finishes. That's where everything happens in our lives and we're transformed by it. So challenge one, spend more time with him in prayer, in his word. Get outside, prayer walk your neighborhood and pray for your neighbors. Continue to bless Don't let that get lost in the in the missional practices that we have talked about. Secondly, you need an accountability partner. You need someone that's going to tell you the truth because they love you. You need someone besides your husband and your wife that and, and probably gender sensitive that that you that you invite into your life and say, look, I've got blind spots. That's a fact. The truth is I'm the last one to realize my inadequacies and my, and my blind spots, the sin that so easily entangles me. And I need, I need someone who loves me, that's been given permission to hold me accountable, that's going to tell me the truth that, so that I don't wander too far down the road and be, become callous to the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's faithful to convict us, but oftentimes we quench the Spirit we reject the counsel of the Spirit and we need another Spirit-filled believer to come alongside that we love and trust and say, this is bad, this is wrong, this is hurtful. And we don't sin in a vacuum. We sin, we hurt others as a byproduct of that. So guys, expand the, the opportunities this year to sit and be, be trained and taught and reinforced in the reality, the truth that God loves you. He loves you. He does. He loves you. He's making you the bride of his son. The father is. The spirit is the active ingredient in that. Jesus says, I got to go so that he might come. It's better that I go that he comes because he's going to lead you into all all truth and remind you of everything that I've said. This, this This is... So to finish the question we asked, do you know that you're loved? Not because of what you have, do, or are, not not based on possessions, projects, or positions, but because of who our glorious God is. See, we live in a world that Jesus promised would have pain, rejection, trial, and trouble, and none of these things are more uh, none of these things and more were foreign to Him. Yet we are commanded to love those who hurt us, betray us, and curse us with and in light of his love for us. Does anyone here battle with thoughts of rejection? Does anyone here battle with thoughts of doubt and past hurts and disappointments? Listen, knowing and believing that God's love never abandons us when we are constantly lied to by the enemy and his adversaries protects and sustains us as we fight the good fight of faith, believing that we are forever loved. That is the antidote to the lies. That that gets right at the arsenal of the enemy's lies and completely refutes and unpacks him so that we are liberated. So what is emphatically important is that we are living loved, convinced that God's love will not run out on us, that his love has no boundaries or conditions, and most of all isn't fickle when we are. This year, we are going to take an in-depth look at his eternal, faithful, sacrificial, unconditional, steadfast, and amazing love. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, become convinced that God, the God of the universe and the King of all kings loves you more thoroughly and extravagantly than you could ever know. Listen to what this says, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. If the, the, the NIV puts it this way, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. And when we arrive at this truth, our lives will become amazing instruments of love, because we, like John the Apostle, will come to the truth-filled reality that I am one who Jesus loves. In him we find all the love and acceptance we have ever longed for. So this year, with the Lord's help, I will be writing devotions and sharing other devotions and testimonies. And here's one more challenge. Would you share yours? Would you, would you, would you email the office and share your testimony about how God has loved you or how God is loving you? Would you endeavor to look over these passages on God's love for us and be willing to, Please hear this and be willing to, with the help of the Holy Spirit, write a devotional that talks about God's love and our love for one another. Would you, would you ask the Lord to use you in that way? Submit it to us. We want to get this. We want to have hear this. We want to have a conversation together about this this year. Because some of these, like last year, our... our um, Our theme was missional practices called bless, and it was very practical, it was very evangelistic, it was very, it was very and guys, I'm saying don't stop these things. Continue to reinforce and build on these things. But this year's work is now internal. Right? Sometimes they're they're external and sometimes they're internal. God's doing both. And this year we're focusing on being convinced by God's Spirit, with His Word, in a rich, intimate con- context of community. And one way that you can participate in that, sh- be, share your testimony with me on how God, how God is revealing His love to you and through you. And I might even ask you to come and share that with a body. But share that with me. Share that with us. Write a devotional on this. Be, be a part of the conversation. Is that, does that make sense, guys? I'm inviting you into the conversation here because really what we're meant to do is we're meant to do this together all the time. You know, the Western church has a problem with elevating the the role of the pastor. It's a gift and it's a role of authority, but it's one of many gifts. And we need to embrace everyone's gift and there's more teachers and preachers out there and and we need to celebrate that. And, And then it becomes a conversation that we're having about the scriptures, about the goodness and the grace and the love and the amazing God that we serve. That we might have a conversation together this year about how loved we are by the Lord and how much he wants us to be instruments of his love to others. And in doing so, we are perfected in his love. Listen to what this says, John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you you. That's the, that's the origin of it. That's the motivator of it. That's the power behind it. That's the, the drive. That's the incentive. That's, that's the everything, right? Just as I have loved you. That's even the qualifier and the, uh, the criteria and the definition so we know how to love others. It's how we've been loved, By this glorious God. A new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another by this. What's the this? Loving others, right? By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Guys, what are we called to do in this world? What's our mission? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. What did he command us? Love one another, <laughs> right? Like that's the catalyst in which the, the mission and the witness is expressed is through a love that we have and is demonstrated for others. I believe that this year will be filled with healing and revealing as we discover that we are pursued by a love that is never diminishing, taken, or shaken. Jesus' presence, his feet, will not be taken from us. So, practical, let's get practical. It's hard to live something we don't feel sometimes. Is that true? Sometimes our fee- feelings betray us. It's easy to, to live love loved when we feel loved. right? It's easy to live love when we feel loved. But fear in the flesh and feelings, the natural aspect of who we are, often distracts or tempts uh, attempts to diminish his love for us. But faith governed by his spirit, calls us to the truth that we are always. We are always and forever loved in Christ. Guys, there's so much more to unpack about this, but I'm going to finish with this verse that complements what I've just shared with you. In Romans 8, 38 and 39, it says this, for I am sure, Paul says. Do you love that? I the NRV says, I am convinced. Okay, he says, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons or rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor heights or depths or anything else, in anything else, let's cover them all now, anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.